Hey, welcome to Cross Creek On Demand. We are so glad you are here. My name is John. I'm the lead pastor. We created Cross Creek to be a church for people who don't normally go to church. And so we've designed our Sunday environment, including our online environment, to be a safe place where people can discover God's love for them. We would love to connect with you when you are ready. Go ahead and scroll down and you can click ask a question, ask for prayer. Maybe you could find out how you could get here on a Sunday evening to join us live. But we would love just to be a part of your journey in discovering God's love. When you're ready, we would love to see you in person. Until then, why don't you go ahead and click subscribe so you can be updated on Cross Creek's most recent messages. Thanks for joining us. Welcome. Good afternoon. Welcome to Cross Creek. My name is Aaron. Uh, I'll just take a little bit to introduce myself. I'm not the usual person up here, so it might take you a minute to get used to me, but that's okay. Uh, I'm actually a part of the leadership team here at Cross Creek, and I am the director of, of Connect Group, so that's like an official title of mine. And um, actually, teaching middle school is my paid gig. I don't know if you knew that. Some of you know that. Some of you don't know that. Uh, but I'm a middle school teacher. Shout out to Sierra. She's back there. That's awesome. She teaches at Leslie with me, which is great. Um, and so John took a well-deserved vacation this past week, so I'm up here today and I get to share with you. And I'm going to try arranging the stage and just carrying the stuff around. We'll see how it goes. What do you think? All right. Good. Good. So Becoming is our series that we are currently in. And oh, also, if you're online, welcome to you too. I did not forget about you. Just briefly did, but did not. Totally. So welcome. I'm glad you're watching as well. Um, so Becoming is our current series. This is week two. And we are all becoming something. So did you ever stop and think about what you want it to become? Or what you want our community to become? Or what you want your family to become? Or what you want your friendship to become? Or um, some of us, I think we don't take a lot of time to stop and really ponder and think about that. But I think these, this is an important question about, if you think about it this way, what are we individually, what are we as a community becoming? That is the question we're, we're tapping into the next, well, this week and the next three weeks after this, in this five-week series. So um, that, is the, that is sort of what we're struggling with or what we're wrestling with or what we're trying to figure out. And as Cross Creek, we actually have uh, five values. And so last week, we talked about the first of those, those values, which is courageous faith. So if you were here last week or you watched online last week, courageous faith, basically, you got two choices. You could fear or have faith. You can have fear or faith. You can give in to fear or you can give in to faith or you can have faith. Um, so that's an interesting choice. We, we talked about that last week. And John's point was faith is not about what you know or believe, but who you choose to trust. So that was his main point. And he talked about how much courage it took to trust God, but that God, God can be trusted. That instead of running away from him or trying to hide from him or trying to sweep uh, our sins under the rug and pretend like they're not there, we can actually choose to trust him instead and to come to him instead. And he asked you to try that for three days. So I don't know, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands. I would in my classroom. I'd be like, who did that last week? And then you'd be like, you know, maybe one of yours. But so he asked you to try that last week and just pray uh, to trust him for three days and see what he showed you last week. You can, all, you can continue with that if you want. It's not like the homework expired. So this week is week two of our Becoming series, and it's about the value of shared ministry. So who doesn't know what the word shared means? Who's maybe not so sure about the word ministry? That is like a super awesome 
churchy word. No hands. Wow. Okay, cool. I could just call on anybody now and ask. No, I'm just kidding. I won't do that right now. Um, but <laughs> ministry is like helping each other out, basically, right? It's doing the, the work of the church, churchy work. If you're looking at it from a community, a non-Christian perspective, it's actually, ministry would be like doing the work of the community. Who needs help? How do they get help? How are we going to do that? That is kind of what ministry is. It's sort of doing the work of community to help each other in community, okay? And then we, as a church, and by the way, church is um, a German translation of, of a word for church. Uh, it's actually ecclesia in the Greek, which means basically an assembly of people. So we're an assembly of people, right? We're assembling right now, right? So we're an ecclesia, and it's sort of like what happens in that group of people? How do we care for and about one another? Um, so regardless of if it's a church or community, we're talking about sharing the work of that community. Thumbs up if you're with me so far. Cool, and I'm not on the ground yet, passed out, so we're good. I, I told Josh if um, I do fall down, he needs to come up and resuscitate me. I hope that doesn't happen, but you know, whatever. Uh, Nate, you're closer, so I'm counting on you. So uh, basically, shared ministry is people working together to help out. So you have a, a little fill-in form. If you wanna fill that in, that'd be awesome. I know when I'm listening, it helps me track. Shared ministry is people working together to help out. Pretty simple, right? If you're not a Christian today and you're in here just checking it out or you have questions or you're like, I want to be a Christian, but I can't, or maybe I'm not, don't feel like I'm a Christian right now. That's cool. Don't worry about it. You like, that's totally fine. You're welcome here. We actually designed this church for you. So you're welcome here. You're welcome to ask questions. You're welcome to wonder. You're welcome to, you know, you don't have to be in right now with this. So don't, that's okay. Um, we're basically going to say ministry here and service are synonyms. So they will mean the similar thing, ministry for church, but service. Um, and there are lots of examples, but I just want to start uh, with 12.45 p.m. today and go for about four hours till now and share with you all of the things that have been shared ministry since 12.45. Okay, so 12.45 uh, I'm riding my bike. I had a great ride today. It was awesome. But I'm riding my bike and I hear this and I look at my back tire and it's flat. So I'm like, well, that's, that's no problem. I'm, not, I'm on my way back home and I'm, I'm pretty close uh, and I have my cell phone. So I make the call of shame. Has anyone ever made the call of shame before on a bike ride? One person. Oh my gosh. Okay. Really relating to my crowd today. Just killing it up here. Um, so call of shame. One thing to know is, like, I call my wife, and she's, she's amazing. This Sunday is the busiest day of the week for her, because she works here. So for her to come and pick me up, she's like, yeah, no problem. But for her to come pick me up, that's like a big deal. So there's your first example of shared ministry, right? Uh, I'm getting my bike home. I didn't even put it away in the garage yet, and I get a text from, text from my buddy John. And he's like, hey, you want me to, I'm going by REI. Do you want me to pick up uh, an inner tube for you? Because I'm going by there anyway. I was like, heck yeah, that's great. So sure. So there's your second example, right? Uh, then I'm reading through this message, and um, my wife texts me a two. I'm, I'm going to show up early because there's a list of things that need to be done around here, right? She texts me a two. Her text says, don't show up early. Setup is basically done. So I show up, and like everything's the walkway swept. Like The case kids are out there doing that. People are helping out. Randy and Terry are putting together the coffee. It's like all this stuff, the info table set up, all this stuff happens. So that's, those are just a few examples. I mean, we got, you know... Shout out to Luke's work and sound back there. Ollie's doing the video so you can see. Someone has to do this stuff, right? Someone's got to clean the walkway. Someone's got to set up the info table. Somebody's got to make sure the carpeting's clean. Somebody's got to teach my son downstairs, my younger one, because he's in fifth grade. He's going to be up here in a bit, like 
couple months, but uh, somebody's got to run the slides, right, Ollie? <laughs> somebody's got to teach my kids. Somebody's got to have snacks so we don't eat anything afterwards, which is like the worst church experience I could imagine is not having treats. I don't know if you're with me. And um, somebody's got to, you know, be in there with our little kids in the nursery, and that's Janet today. Um, and also Diane's downstairs working. The, oh, Michelle's over there. It's like all these people are helping out. That's just the last four hours. Just the last four hours, right? I could have talked about like how I grew up and all that and how many people have helped me, which is like a bazillion. But isn't that amazing? Is that truly all those people have helped out in just the last four hours? So something to think about, okay? So the work of helping out and doing what needs to be done today, that is a team effort. It's a whole bunch of people working together. Okay, so uh, personally, how do I feel about being up here today? Well, um, I love talking about myself, not. So uh, give, I'm just gonna just spend a couple minutes. Uh, I'm actually, I'm really excited to share. I'm super psyched that John gets the week off, like he never gets time off, and I wish we could give him more time off, and there's all that, but um, I am a little bit nervous. This is not my wheelhouse. Like, if you all were like 35 middle school kids, I wouldn't have as much of a problem as just like talking to a bunch of adults out there like, hey guys, what's up? So uh, I'm also, honestly, I'm tired. I had a training in San Diego this last week, which, you know, so there's good and bad, right? San Diego training. So um, I was away from home for four days for that. And uh, sometimes I just don't want to help out, honestly, though. Like if I'm honest with you right now, is it okay? We do honesty time? Cool. Um, Sometimes I don't want to help out, like I'm on the worship team some weeks here, and sometimes I just want to like chill at home, you know, like watch a movie or read a book instead of come play my violin on Thursday night. Uh, no offense, Luke and Gil, I love playing with you guys, but it's like, you get it, right? Yes, see? Yeah, sometimes I just, I just don't want to do that. I'd rather listen to records or like read a book or take a nap or something like that. So that's just me, right? So that was enough about me. That was what, one minute, good. Okay, um, I'm gonna take a second here. Let me pose a few questions to us as a group. Hope you're ready for this, right? How do we, so if you consider yourself part of Cross Creek, all of us are in some kind of community, how do we approach helping others? It's an interesting question, isn't it? How do we approach helping other people? Okay. How should we do that? There's a lot of logistics involved, right? For every person, if you think about like every person on the earth today, for everyone to get help, that's, that's a lot of work. How do we do that? How, sh- how should we do that? Whose job is it? Oh, love this question in my classroom. Whose job is it to pick up this pencil over here? You know, stuff like that. <laughs> Whose job is it to learn? Oh, I won't go there. I'm starting to get warmed up though, man. It's August. Here we go. Okay. <laughs> Have you seen like the, the ads for the school sales already and stuff? It's crazy time. Okay. Um, So there are lots of attitudes and approaches to ministry and service, but let's look at three today. Three, is that okay? Uh, Maybe you've experienced, maybe you've participated in one or more of these, and if it makes you feel better, I have experienced all three of these and I've participated in all three of them. So you're in good company or bad company, depending on how you look at it. Um, So I'm also gonna school this thing, because yes, I'm giving a message at a church, but more comfortably, I'm a teacher, so if you look at your paper, you're wondering probably what these boxes are on here. Um, they are for drawings, uh, sketches. We're gonna do something today called a 20 second sketch. So after, when? Oh, that's like two people, okay. After, I explain each one, you're gonna actually draw a little icon or sketch of each one, okay? Um, no judgment, I draw stick people all the time. 
Uh, if you do want to look at your neighbors, that might be kind of fun, you know, but it's just going to be a quick 20-second sketch because research shows that when you iconize something, you make an icon out of it, you remember it better. Okay, uh, so I'm going I'm to school this thing, so I hope that's cool. Um, you can take the teacher out of the school, but you can't take the school out of the teacher. So, okay, so <laughs> approach number one. It is the someone else gets paid for that or the janitor approach to ministry or service. Yeah, the janitor approach. Uh, unfortunately, this is one I hear a lot in the middle school. Um, that's what the janitors get paid for. I'm like, why don't you pick up the paper under your desk? That's what the janitors get paid for, Mr. Fiedler. Didn't you know they get paid for that? You know, there's nothing like smart aleck 12-year-old telling you what to do. Um, I do love those kids, though. Uh, I, I can't. I have to go to lunch. I'm going to miss my bus. i got to meet my friend at my locker. Like, there's a million things, right? Uh, my favorite, though, is that, are you going to pick up that piece of paper? Mr. Fiedler, that's your job. <laughs> like, okay. Take care of that later. Um, but it ha happens elsewhere. It doesn't just happen at school. Like at work, maybe you've heard, it's not in my job description. You're like, could you just help me out for like a minute? Like, it's, all, yeah. it's not in my job description. Or my contract reads, right? Uh, but it doesn't just happen there. It happens at home too. It's like, that's not one of my chores. Or I just changed the last diaper. It's your turn. Like, this is not my thing right now. So we've got the janitor approach to ministry or service um, so you have 20 seconds. If I were you, I'm going to suggest on the first one, you could just draw a broom. Okay, janitor approaches somebody else's job. You got 20 seconds. Go, 20. Sketch it. Grab a pen if you need one. You don't think I'm counting, do you? Five, four, <laughs> three, two, one. Zero. So the janitor approach, that's the first one. Somebody else gets paid for that. That's not my paid gig. I'm not going to do that. Okay, number two. It's called the someone else should really do something about that approach. Okay, or I, I, we need an icon here, a person. So I'm going to go with Mother Teresa, the Mother Teresa or St. Teresa approach to ministry or service. Okay, here's the thinking, and I've thought this myself, guilty. Um, somebody should really do something about that. You know what? There's like a super holy person already set up for that. They've already given their life to God, just front to back, forwards, and you know, like they are ready for this work. Me, I'm not really like, I love Jesus, but I'm not like in like they're in. Like they're fully all in, right? So they are super holy people and they are actually going to do this job. Okay, they have a special calling, if you want a churchy word. You know, they've been called to do this work of the ministry. Or they have this gift, I'm going to talk about that later. But they have this gift of that. Um, or maybe we think we're really not made for that. Or we're not really qualified for that, right? I didn't go to school to be a minister, so I'm just up here talking and you're all listening, which is amazing so far. Um, <laughs> maybe we think we're too busy and no one of us can do it all, so there's some truth to that. Um, maybe honestly... This is a tough one for me personally, but maybe we just really don't want to do that. Maybe just we really don't want to help out. We see some need, we're like, ah, I don't really want to do that. Maybe we're uncomfortable. Maybe we feel like the work is beneath us. Maybe it's really icky or uncomfortable or difficult work, right? Maybe we don't really like people that much. Um, I almost went off on a Chris Farley tangent there, but I'll stay true. Thank you. Um, Maybe we come from a different culture or place or political background than the other person and we're like, I don't really like you. This is going to be really tough. 
I don't really want to help you out. So that is the someone else should really do something about that, or the Mother Teresa approach. You have, okay, Mother Teresa, I don't know if you're going to be able to draw her. You can try it, or you can draw a shoe. She was famous for, like, they'd get a bunch of shoes, and she would pick the worst pair of shoes for herself and go, all the other people, the, the other shoes. So you can draw a shoe or her. you got 20 seconds. It's okay if it's a stick person with, like, head covering. An awesome lady. It's good. I hear some laughing. That's good. I, I'm surprised I don't hear more. Like, nobody is, you're all so good right now. Like, nobody's looking at anybody else's paper. I don't hear, that looks stupid. You know, like, what is that, a hot dog or a person? You know, stuff like that. Okay, approach number three. Time's up. Sorry. <clears throat> I don't know how long that actually was, but. Um, third approach. Every, forgive my grammar here, but this will make sense. Every someone else should just take care of themselves. Right? Every, every someone else should just take care of themselves. That's the approach to service or ministry. Okay? You could call it the cowboy approach to ministry or service. Uh, my kids are on vacation. There he is, John Wayne. There he is. So my kids were on vacation a couple weeks ago, and they're like, Grandpa! You know, we got into talking about, like, we played baseball as a kid. He did and stuff. They're like, Grandpa, what did you do as a, what did you play when you were growing up? My, my, my dad's 71. He's like, oh, you know, what we did a lot of actually is we'd play cowboys. We'd go play cowboys. And my kids are like, what? <laughs> I think they kind of got it. Um, he's, he's like, they play, they play cowboys. So they'd go out and they'd play a bunch of cowboys together or they'd play cowboys against somebody or they, they'd play cowboys. Like, that's what they played. You know, like, we may play other things now, but they play cowboys. We play on our phones or whatever. Um, so they play cowboys, which is super interesting. And for many of us, this is like, if, if, you, are, if you grew up in this era of watching John Wayne, right, movies, and you, you're in this time in American culture, it was, uh, gosh, it's so deep in our American psyche, I feel like, the cowboy icon or approach, like, you're, you go out in the Old West and it's just one person against the world, right, and you're regulating law and order in that place and you're exacting justice and... Um, even in Christianity, and I'm, I hate to pick on Christianity, but I'm going to for a second, um, there is this idea of like being a Christian cowboy and like, you know, some minister or some person goes off into the Amazon and they're like totally by themselves and they do all this work by themselves. Um, but this cowboy approach is actually, I think, really deeply ingrained in how we think. Uh, so here's another take on it. And maybe you've caught yourself thinking this or you've heard it from somebody else. Uh, if we just each took care of ourselves, everything would be okay. Right? If I take care of me, you take care of you, you take care of you, you take care of we're all fine, right? That would work. Uh, maybe you think, I don't really ask for help from other people. Why doesn't everybody else do that too? Why are you bugging me right now with your question, right? Maybe that's what you're thinking in your seat. Okay, uh, how can, maybe you're thinking, how can I, and this is, this is a fair question, how can I be expected to help someone who can't even help themselves, right? What if there's a case of addiction or mental illness or a cycle of abuse and you're just like, I don't know how to help you. I'm not qualified to help you. I can't help you. Um, or you, you can't, you know, you can help yourself better than I can help you. So this would be the cowboy approach to ministry. So I guess you could try to draw John Wayne or you could just draw a cowboy hat or he's got a sheriff's badge on there. That's what I was thinking might be an easy thing. You got 20 seconds. Cowboy approach.
so astutious with the artwork today. Hopefully people online are drawing too. I don't know what they're sketching in the margins of their whatever. Yeah, this, cool. So maybe you find yourself thinking or living these approaches out. Maybe you've heard of them. Maybe you've heard somebody else say them. Uh, my big question is, and I bet you'll be able to guess this already, some of you, what do the janitor and the Mother Teresa and the cowboy approach to service or ministry all have in common? What is the answer? What do they all have in common? Someone else. Someone else. And that's why I had to kind of mess with the grammar on the last one, right? Someone else should take care of themselves. That doesn't make sense. Every someone else should make care of themselves. But someone else, that's a big, big problem if you think about it because, and you have to think about this one, no one ever helps if it's always someone else doing the helping. Make sense? No one ever helps if it's always someone else doing the helping. If it's always someone else doing the helping, no one gets help. Right? So if, if, I don't, if we don't, each with our perspective, with our experience, with the opportunity that's right in front of us, if we do nothing, nothing gets done. No one gets help. Right? Or at least that person in front of me doesn't get help if I don't help them. So then people struggle and families struggle and communities struggle and schools struggle and you know, everything's, everybody struggles. So let's face it, every single one of us has needed help at one time or another. I've needed help a lot. Um, I've needed a ton of help today. What you see here doesn't just happen, right? So we've all been helping out all these people that I mentioned, and, and even more people than that have helped out today. So there's another approach that I would like to present to you besides those three. You ready for that? Yes. Okay, one person. The rest of you could just come along for the ride. This next approach I'm going to call the Apollo 11 approach. Excellent. We're going to watch a little video. Too. I'm uh, at the foot of the ladder. The lamb footbeds are only uh, uh, depressed in the surface about uh, one or two inches. Uh, although the surface appears to be uh, very, very fine grained as you get close to it, it's almost like a powder. Ground mass uh, is very fine. care who you are that is really cool <laughs> like so the moon is like a quarter million miles away and it's flat and we're like yeah we can send some people over there and then we do and somebody somebody walks on it like I don't care how old you are and this is 50 years ago and that video is terribly grainy by today's standards right but like that is incredible it's incredible like I'm kind of a nerd about this thing I've you know, watched uh, videos and read a book and stuff like that. Uh, and the 50th anniversary was recently. And I, I just think, it, I even read that the Statesman Journal had this insert and they like interviewed all these people that were involved. Oh, I'm giving away crap. I'll stop. How many, how many people do you think were involved with the Apollo 11 mission? You know, you see Neil Armstrong, he steps on the moon. So one person, right? 
It is 400,000, not one person, it's not 10. I love it when Patrick knows stuff like that. It's, <laughs> thank you for helping me out. Because if I hadn't written it down here, then you'd be like, it's 400,000. Uh, it's not a thousand, it's 400,000 people, which is amazing. So I looked up this number. That is approximately, currently, the population of both Marion and Polk counties, if you put them together. Okay, but this is back in 1969, so it doesn't sound like a lot, but it's two-tenths of a percent of the United States population at that time, which is like 217 million people at that time. But can you imagine if 400,000 people, like if we and Polk County got together and we were like, I know we're across the river, but okay, we'll pretend to get along. And then we were all like, let's do this big thing together and all work together. Like, can you imagine what we could actually do, right? It's crazy. So the Apollo 11 approach was amazing for mankind, for humankind. It was one of the most incredible things that's ever happened, right? And it was made possible by the contributions of all these different people. Some people making parts, some people working communications, like all that stuff. Just incredible. So, uh, 20-second sketch, you could draw, I don't know, you could draw the footprint on the moon, you could draw the moon itself, you could try to draw the lander, I don't know, it looks like a thing with little things on it, stick, I don't know, whatever, 20 seconds. Or maybe draw nothing. <laughs> then your neighbors can't make fun of you. So at this point, you might maybe enjoy you know, the pictures so far and drawing, you drew little sketches and that's fun, right? But you might have an important question and that question is why? Why should I? Right, Aaron, I get you're on the stage, you got the microphone, but why, right? Just being honest. Why should I jump in other people's messes? Why should I get involved? And I'm gonna give you two different perspectives on this. And one, the first one's actually a non-Christian perspective. So you don't, you don't have to be, and this is totally fine, you don't have to be a Christian in here. So a non-Christian perspective, I was, I was trying to think of a single example. One example of a person, one example of one person that did not actually have the support of anybody else to achieve something great. And I couldn't think of everyone else. I was like, no, they had a team. No, they had supporters. No, they had you know, their family. No, they had their community. No, they had... Like, I can't think of one person out there that you and I would be like, oh, that was a great person that did not have the support of other people. Thumbs up. From a Christian perspective, shared ministry exemplifies both parts of the law of love. So if you think about Jesus, like, he basically said there was somebody who was questioning him and they're like, what's the, what's the most important law? And he said, it's really simple. You're supposed to love God with all that you are and you're supposed to love your neighbor as yourself. I can still only imagine that guy standing there and being like, wow, that's it? It almost sounds too simple, right? Love God with all you are and love your neighbor as yourself. And shared ministry exemplifies that, right? So Basically, you show people that you're a Jesus follower if you are, or if you want to start following Jesus and just acting like him, but you don't want to say that you are, that's fine too. If you show that, it is through shared ministry. Does that make sense? So it's basically love God and love others, and through that, you're actually doing the work of shared ministry when you show that. So let's consider one very powerful example of what that is and why we should do it. And how? Does that sound good? We're going to work our way up. Uh, so Romans 12, if you have a Bible, you can turn there. 
It's gonna be after, it's gonna be Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then Acts, and then Romans. It's in the New Testament, so it's like way toward the end of your Bible, like this far-ish. Uh, and if you don't have a Bible, we're, we're gonna put it on the screen too, so that's not a problem at all. Excuse me, but quick background. Uh, the Apostle Paul wrote it, and he basically, if there was like a top award, like a gold star, maybe you drew one on your paper, if there's a gold star for uh, the top Christian hater, he actually would have earned it back in those times. Uh, then he met Jesus. So I think in a way, actually, his life exemplifies a transition or, or transformation between the cowboy approach and the Apollo 11 approach to ministry uh, in total, which is interesting. So he basically was a top Christian hater, then he got a new mission from Jesus, and then he had a whole team, and he ended up writing over half of the New Testament, which is amazing, I've never written over half of anything, and <laughs> I don't know about you, uh, and you should read, he gives like shout outs in all of his letters to all these other people, it's really actually really fun, so you should check that out. And it's probably written about 55 to 57 AD, and it's to a little baby church in Rome. And a lot of the people there are Jews, and a lot of people there even more are Roman, so they're like, they're pagans, they're from the old Roman Empire, um, and they were not, they didn't become an empire by being nice. I think John said something about that last week or the week before. So these people are all looking at each other, and they're kind of like, how do we do this? Like, how do we follow Jesus in this culture, in this time? There's, there's no the Bible to follow at this point. They're not like, oh, we'll just look it up and blah, blah, blah. And there's no the Bible. Um, about how to follow Jesus. And it's also, by many, by many people, considered to be one of Paul's best writings, or if not the best writing. It's a theological essay, if you're into that kind of thing. I'm kind of a nerd, so yes. Um, also, I have a disclaimer for you. So if you're not a Jesus follower, the letter is written to Christians. You can try the stuff out, but you're not required to. You can just listen and be like, yeah, I like that. No, I'm not gonna do that. Totally fine, okay? So verses one and two, Paul writing to this baby, baby little baby church. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So therefore, what's the therefore, therefore, right? The therefore is for some purpose. Basically, he's saying, I've already written you like all of this stuff in this letter about how God showed himself to humankind through Jesus and how we all need him and we can be saved through him. So therefore, he says that. Okay, we are Christians, we are in need of him. And then he says, in view of God's mercy, Right? What does that mean in view of God's mercy? Basically, you can think of it this way. It's like a starting point. Like just stop and think, look at, view, view the good things that God has done for you or the good things that you've experienced. Look at that. So have that as your like, that's sort of those, I'm wearing glasses. Those are kind of like your lenses to view what's happening around you. Good so far? Okay. And then it says, this is your true and proper worship. So some people get tied up around this word worship too. It just means basically it's like being thankful to God for what you have. That's what worship is. So we heard music before and we sang. That's a thank you. There are lots of ways to be, to be thankful in art, uh, in service, uh, in prayer. You can be thankful in a lot of different ways. We can say thank you to God for the fresh start that we have in him or fresh perspective. 
okay? And you should keep in mind that when it says do not conform to the pattern of this world but be transformed, we are constantly, those of us who are letting ourselves, who are Christians, who call ourselves Jesus followers, we are letting ourselves constantly be transformed or changed, okay? So that's something really to keep in mind as well. Basically, you don't fit the shape that you used to fit anymore. Like, think about a butterfly, right? What did that butterfly used to be? Yeah, that's correct. And in between, it was like in a weird cocoon chrysalis thing, right? So would it be a good idea for a caterpillar to be like, uh, I'm going to try to go back into the cocoon and then re-become a caterpillar again? Like, is that something that's reasonable for a caterpillar to do? I mean, it'd be like, caterpillar, you're being stupid right now. Just like, be a, be a, or excuse me, butterfly, be stupid. You're being stupid right now. You're actually a butterfly. You shouldn't try to go back and be that caterpillar. I probably said that wrong, but you understand what I'm talking about. Um, so it's kind of like that. So Paul is saying here, don't try to go back into that form. You're actually being transformed or changed into something different. So don't try to go back and be who you were. And um, if you're not perfect yet, transformation is a process. So it's all good. So if you're like me and you're like... Ooh, yeah, I'm being transformed, but I don't feel like I've really gotten there yet, right? That's okay. Uh, none of us have. So that's, that's, you should feel good about that too. Uh, but you do start to act and, and think like, more like Jesus all of the time. And also, you get to figure out, it says, you see where it says, test and approve what God's will is? You can find out more about God by thinking more like Jesus all the time, by being transformed. So that's really cool. Okay, then Paul goes on, verse three. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Okay. So Paul's saying he got some grace, right? What does that mean? That means God gave him, he didn't deserve it, but God gave him a peace, God gave him a life, God gave him a relationship with himself that he didn't deserve. Paul would be the first to admit that. Like He's like, I am the number one sinner. I don't deserve that relationship, right? God does the same thing for each of us, though. That's the amazing thing. So Paul is saying here, he's not pretending to know it all, but he is saying that God has changed you so far and you're supposed to share that with other people, right? With the faith that God has distributed to you. That's how you should think about yourself. Do not think of yourself more highly than you are. Basically, it's like, kind of be, I guess the word humble would come to mind for that. So God has given you the faith that you have, and um, you might want to think about this for a second, but for each of us, we can maybe think of an amount of faith, right? Maybe some of us in here just have a tiny little speck. Um, sometimes it feels like it's an invisibly small speck, like where's my speck of faith? I don't see it anywhere. It's like too tiny. I lost it somewhere. Is it in the carpeting? Um, some of us have a, maybe a bigger chunk of faith, but that sort of depends on the situation at the time, Right? But no matter where you're at, no matter where you're at, God's given that to you and it, you can actually grow and cultivate that. It's sort of like uh, elsewhere in the Bible, it talks about a tiny seed growing into a giant plant. So think about that. Whatever size of faith you have now, that can actually be grown and developed. So that's the good news. And uh, Paul goes on in verses four and five. For just as, so he's gonna hit us with an analogy here, right? Each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. So, in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. 
So what's a healthy community like? It's like a healthy body, right? We're each parts of a body. We each have jobs to do, like the brain controls, that's a science-y thing, right? Like your brain controls the nervous system, and your eyes take in information from the world, and the brain interprets that. That's what's happening here, is we are all working together. So don't miss this, because you might, maybe if you've heard this before, you're like, yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Each one of us is important. That's what Paul is saying here. Each one of us has something to contribute. We have an important part to play in how the body overall works, in how our community as Christians, or any community, works. Okay? And we also belong to each other. right? Each member belongs to all the others. So I'm not a cowboy up here by myself. I am part of a team, and we are all working together. Yes? Okay. Isn't that awesome? Right? So we're interdependent. Good. Okay, then Paul goes on, verses 6 through 8. This is where it gets interesting to you. Ready? We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying or to give prophecy, then prophesy in in accordance with your faith or according to your faith. If, If it's serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. So he gives a list of some gifts and kind of tells us how to use them, right? God has given us each different gifts. And we're actually, according to the New American Standard, there's a clarification in there of the Greek that is, we need to exercise faith and exercise these gifts. So they're not just to sit around and atrophy, kind of like me, you know? You should have, you should be, they should be like swole, you know? These gifts should be swole, and so should your faith be just like growing all the time. It's like a workout. So the more you actually exercise these, the better it is for you and everyone around you, which is amazing. The gifts are to be shared. Uh, oh, uh, prophecy. That's an interesting one. So, and I've been going to church for a while, but I was like, if, if my gift is to give prophecy, like what is that? What does that mean? Uh, basically, it means that you understand something of the mind of God. You understand something about God and you're able to clearly communicate that to somebody else. So that's in, in essence, that's what it is. These others are kind of self-explanatory, like serving, teaching, encouraging, giving, leading, right? Being merciful, showing somebody else mercy. So those all, I think, are a little more self-explanatory. Uh, and it's not an exhaustive list of gifts either. If you, if you want more, there's actually on the top of your program, it says, I thought it said that on here. If you did want to look up some more, they're actually in 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, chapters 12 through 14. A lot more about the gifts and how they can be used too. This is not like the end of the world list of gifts. Okay, so in essence, the Apollo 11 approach is actually the approach of, of vibrant communities. It would, would be Paul's approach. Maybe if he were up here, he might disagree with me, but that's cool. Um, and it's God's approach and it's Jesus' approach to helping other people. So basically, basically, God's design for ministry is to have each one of us help out with our gifts. We're supposed to share those gifts. We're supposed to help out. And finally, it's time for the main point. Who's excited? Yes. You can get a tattoo of this. If you're under 18, you need parent consent. You might change your mind after you hear it. It's just four words, but gosh, I've never had a tattoo, so I would imagine it's painful. 
what Paul's letter to the Romans is saying about living in Christian community is that we can actually make a difference, right? Inside, outside of the church, in our own community, whoever's in front of you right now uh, or later, we can live out the law of love by contributing the gifts that we have. We can just help out with what we have. We can exercise our faith. We can exercise our gifts. Thumbs up. So overall, main point, if you like kind of lost me online or I lost you, come on back. And if you're in the room falling asleep right now, it's time to wake it up. Overall, the best ministry is shared ministry. The best ministry is shared ministry. Okay, no one person can do it all. We're supposed to share our gifts. The best ministry is shared ministry. All right, so maybe you're thinking, uh, you know, okay message so far. I like the other guy better, but that's cool, right? Or I already know the what. I'm supposed to help other people. I heard that. It's not even in church. Like my kindergarten teacher told me that. My, my parents told me that. Uh, I understand the why. Maybe you're thinking, oh, yeah, I get the why, you know, because God says so. I mean, because I'm thankful, because I'm thankful and because I love exercise and, be, yeah, all that stuff maybe, right? Maybe you don't love exercise. Uh, but Aaron, you don't understand. Listen, I'm not a teacher, so I can't teach. Right about now, I'm actually wanting that myself up here. It's just a different, just a different thing than what I'm used to. Um, maybe you're thinking, I'm not good with technology, so I can't do the slides, right? Don't put, put me in front of a computer. Like, even look at the computer wrong, and it's just like, zzz, and then I'm like, help, somebody. Doesn't, uh, maybe you're thinking, I don't really play an instrument, uh, or I'm a terrible singer, and I, I'm terrified to get up here on stage and actually, sometimes it's scary for me too, you should know that. Um, maybe you're thinking, I don't have the gift of prophecy, I don't feel like I have some of the other gifts you talked about, or I don't know which gifts I have that you were talking about, uh, or I don't really want to get involved, right? Because it's complicated and I don't like people, and honestly, how do you expect me, I'm putting it your way, see? So how do I expect you to do all this, right? Get the what? Okay, the why, we're supposed to help other people, but how? It's a fair question, right? How are we supposed to actually participate in this work? I, I don't mean to make it overly simple, but how about this? How about you just ask for God's help as a starting point? Ask God, God, help me. Show me the gifts that I can use for you. Show me what my gifts are. Give me an opportunity to use those gifts. Um, gosh, like nobody in my connect group is in here right now. Every single week at Connect Group, ah, oh, Jason and Lauren, you guys are right there. What did, I pr- what did I ask for every single, well, I'm not gonna put you guys on the spot. Every single week, for months, I, my prayer request was this. You ready? No, okay. My prayer every single week for months, God, help me see my students as you do. Help me love them with your love. I cannot do it on my own. I don't know if you've been in a middle school lately. You know, the kids are super lovable and they're also super mean and super stinky and like super lots of things. But <laughs> God, like, I was like, God, please. Do you guys remember that? It's like every, I'm like, I'm sorry, guys. You know what my prayer request is going to be? Everybody's like, okay, we'll pray for it again. Like, how, help me to love these kids, God, like you would. So just ask him for help, right? And if you're a Jesus follower, you already have the how. You already have the how. Do you understand that? Like the Holy Spirit lives inside every single Jesus follower. 
Every single one of you that has accepted Jesus, the Holy Spirit, an actual being, a God, a part of God, it's the Trinity and it's complicated, but basically he's the helper that Jesus promised. Like, okay, so Jesus is wrapping up his ministry and he's telling his, all his close people like, yeah, I'm gonna take off and uh, I'm gonna make a way for you in, in God's house. And they're like, okay, whatever. And he's like, and I'm gonna leave you a helper. And they're like, wait, go back to the first part where you're leaving again because that just scares us. Like, we're, we're scared. We, how are we going to do this without you? And Jesus is like, no, I'm going to give you the helper. You know who the helper is? The Holy Spirit. So once you believe in Jesus, you have that, the Holy Spirit inside of you. He can guide you. He can help you communicate with God and Jesus. That is what the Holy Spirit's job is. That's what he does. Okay? So you just have to take one step trusting him. This is what I feel like I've been doing lately, and I'm telling everybody else around, just like, okay, take one step, Right? I don't know what to do with my life or I don't know what to do in the situation. Okay, pray about it. Ask God, okay, take one step. Where are you at now, right? So just ask God to help you. If you're not a Jesus follower, and I, I don't mean to cheapen this or make it trite, but it's basically like a two-for-one offer. So if you accept Jesus, when you accept Jesus, you could do it today. You could accept Jesus today. You actually get God's help through the Holy Spirit right at that moment, which is incredibly amazing. So Jesus is not, God is not expecting you to do this all on your own, like under your own power. That's the opposite of what he is trying to communicate to you here. That's the opposite of what Paul is trying to communicate in this letter, okay? If you want to, today, you can trust Jesus with your life. In fact, he loved you so much that he died for you. And then he conquered death and he came back. So that proves that he was actually true in what he said, that he could do that, that he is more powerful than death and sin, all of the mistakes that we make, he's more powerful than that. Okay, if he can transform Paul's life, and I know this is just kind of a snippet of what Paul was going through, but if he can transform Paul, if he can transform me, he can transform you. He can transform anyone, any single one of us. Okay, and the transformation, that includes being a part of a vibrant community of Jesus followers, and we are all trying to figure this out. So if you're feeling like, yeah, I don't know if I want to join this weird group of people, Okay, like that's how it is. Like we're just a bunch of weirdos but we're trying to figure this out one day at a time, but that's how it is. So all you have to do is accept Jesus' gift of forgiveness and restoration. Let him start to heal you. Okay, if you, if you want to join, if you want to be enabled and empowered to help, some people like, maybe this is it. Maybe this is you today. You're like, gosh, there's just so much need in the world. I just want to be helpful to that or to someone else. Just trust Jesus. Just say, Jesus, I, I give you my life. I trust you with what comes next. If you have questions about that, if you want prayer, you can talk. Patrick's going to be up, is up here, okay? Afterwards, okay? You can talk to me too. And Ken's great. He'll be out at the info table if you want to chat with him. You can do that today. You can accept Jesus into your life today and the Holy Spirit will start immediately to transform you into something different. So really think about that. Okay? I have a challenge for everyone today. It's an all play. Okay, everybody take out a connect card from the seat pocket in front of you. It looks like this. It's blue on the top and it says connect. I'm going to do like I do with my middle school kids. Show me your card, everybody. I'll wait. <laughs> Ramy, see, she knew I was serious. She's like, oh, man. Excellent. Oh, I'm still waiting for some people in the back row. Show me your card, please. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, good. <laughs> She'll be like, uh. I went to this church and this guy was like, show me the, okay. What, so if you see on here, you can fill this out with your name, email, okay. then it says on here, 
I'm interested in a next step at Cross Creek. Oh, areas to contribute or serve. You can actually check that box right there. And then you can be a part of the shared ministry that's happening in our church. That's all you have to do is check the box, hand it to Ken. He'll smile and say thank you. And probably, you know, check in with you about some other stuff. If you're online, it is under the you can contribute. It's on the main page under you can contribute. You click on join a team and there's an online form you click or you you fill out, excuse me, and you click on submit. It's super easy to do that. Okay, so this is an opportunity for you to help out here. This is actually a step in you doing something about what you see around you in your community, yes? Okay, so let's start to wrap it up. Let me ask you a couple questions here, and this is sort of something for us to think about as we move forward. What would the world look like if everyone living out, if everyone was living out shared ministry? What would the world look like? Right? What if everyone helped one person? Uh, maybe that's too big. What if just you helped in one way? Right? If you back it up and you just take the tiniest step possible, what if you just helped out in some way? And that's, that's all I'm asking today. This is for a baby step. If you haven't taken that step yet, that's what I'm asking today. What would our communities look like if we each had an attitude that each one of us could help just a little bit? Or what if we as a church, a movement of people that we're trying to figure out what it means to follow Jesus, what if we actually leaned on him and the Holy Spirit for this work? What if we saw a need and we, need and we were just like, okay, I'm going to help with this one thing? What would happen? So shared ministry, this is your last fill-in here. Tra- shared ministry, ministry transforms individuals, families, churches, and the greater community. It's transformational. All right, you made it. Let me pray and close this up. God, I thank you that you give us opportunities um, in life. I pray that we are able to recognize those Uh, that we will just take one step in asking you to help us with what's next and help us recognize and see what's in front of us. We thank you, God, that you don't expect us to do this on our own, that you give us the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for working through each one of our lives and um, being able and willing to actually help us understand what it is that we need to do. Um, Thank you, God, for these people in front of me, and I pray for them this week that they're able to take one step Uh, one further step in what they're doing. And um, yeah, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. So take your Connect card out to the info table. Ken's already out there. And thank you very much. Next week is part three of our series. So come back and see what is going to happen next. Thank you very much. Have a great week.